Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. And I am John. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look back at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Now, Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies, and we're breaking them all the way down. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. How's it going, Kevin? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be looking at your face through a screen as well as looking at Andrew's face through a screen. In these unprecedented times. Welcome, Andrew (laughs) Miller. We're so glad to have you with us again. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. This is a journey that no man should have to go on alone or (laughs) or even with one other person. That's right. We're back to talk more about Last Action Hero, an amazing... 90s action movies like a fucking time capsule of the 90s and we were just talking about it, it it's uh, a lot's been laid at its feet including that it was one of the movies that ruined action movies forever what do you think of that <laughs> i mean i think it didn't help it did certain movies shouldn't be pg-13 like but i also get where the studios are like they feel like there's more money to be made sure. if there's no not an r rating yep but you know i saw a thing that Arnold had said that it he thought it failed because they had elected a Democratic president who no longer thought that it would be okay to talk about guns. Mm. Fucking like, what? That's sh- a stretch. Yeah. It was it was a pretty it was a pretty far stretch um for Arnold at that point to explain his failure. That's a reach. Cause I think Arnold had his hand on everything creatively yeah. about this film, including the action figures, and I bought our little avatar for the podcast yeah. is the is the, the Jack, Jack Slater, Slater action figure. He's like twelve inches tall or sixteen inches tall or something. And one of my pandemic uh, splurges was to find myself one on eBay and buy it. Yes. And then I re- was reading that Arnold, all the last action figure toys, none of them came with guns, and that was Arnold's choice. That he thought these are kids' toys; they shouldn't come with guns. And it's like okay, but you know the movie is like gun waving, shoot 'em up. Right. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but yeah, I'm sure Arnold meant well coming out the week after Jurassic Park probably didn't help either. <laughs> that's it's bigger. That's yeah, the bigger, the bigger issue at hand. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Um, what? Uh, so I, I I mentioned previous. I didn't see this movie until during pandemic. Right. Um, what are you guys history with the film? Andrew? Yeah. Um I loved this movie. I, this was a blockbuster rent for me. I don't remember it coming on TV very often, if ever. No. Maybe once, I twice. Mean, I watched the shit um, out of cable, and I don't even remember seeing commercials for this movie, like on USA or TNT or TBS or any of like the normal spots where you'd see these type of films. Yeah, it seems like they would definitely want to put it on those channels, considering it was such a box office bomb. But I remember, I remember it being a VHS. I remember playing the NES game, which was a bad <laughs> crazy. Double Dragon like ripoff. 
Um, that's amazing. Like that's it was, crazy. To it me. was like thrown together. Were there guns in the game? No, you mostly ran around punching, from what I remember. Uh, okay, um, PG thirteen violence. Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't a good game. It wasn't a memorable game. Um, but yeah, like I I liked this movie because I was Danny. I wanted like to like I think we were talking before the podcast. We lived in like a boring suburban town outside mm-hmm. of Dallas, and I wanted life to be more exciting than it was. And so like living vicariously through, you know, old Bond films or Star Wars or action movies, like that was something that I really found myself doing often. Um, And so So did you see this when it was like on the new release shelf at Blockbuster, though, like when it was uh, relatively a new title still? I don't think so. I feel like this was one of those like $1 rentals that like you got Uh, you got later (laughs) on when you were like, all right, this is this used to be in the kids section, but now it's over here and they don't know where to put it because this movie, <laughs> I forgot there used, defies I forgot genre. There used to be tears. Yeah. There, there was like, I these totally the, forgot there were tears of rentals films yeah. that nobody wants and we don't know why we still carry them here. So you've got to rent them at a dollar <laughs> until we get rid of them. I remember when this movie was coming out that it was like right in my wheelhouse of what I wanted to see. Cause this is like, I, yeah, this movie was made for me. Yeah. For for twelve year old Kevin or eleven year old or whatever, and then I think as you said, Jurassic Park came out the week before. I saw Jurassic Park, and then the next weekend I wanted to see Jurassic Park again, and then yeah. the next weekend after that I wanted to see Jurassic Park again, and I didn't see this movie, you know, for for whatever twenty five or thirty yeah, years exactly. after it came out. And I wished I had found it earlier. Having watched it now, I'm like, but not in '93. I don't think it would have it would have blown my mind. I wouldn't have got it. Anyway, I, I yeah. didn't get it when it's I a, first saw it. It's a weird movie. Like it's hard. I feel like it's hard to get like there's it's trying to be so many things and too many things to too many people at the same time. And so it's like really, a, I don't know, a punishment to yourself to like make yourself like it. <laughs> I bet there's some people out there who are like, this is their favorite movie. There has to be. Really? Ah, I, maybe I hope not. I wonder that sometimes about like certain bands, like is, is every band in existence, somebody's favorite band. I've had that thought too. It, it, it makes me upset. Like dashboard confessional, someone's favorite band or, or whatever, like some 41 is someone's yeah. favorite band. I'll just say, uh, yeah. I'll say this in response to all of this later on in the movie. And we'll get there. Danny says a line that should have been this movie's tagline. Danny, the character, the little, the little mm. kid, he says, you can't go through life nitpicking every little thing. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like this, that great. was as tongue in cheek a line as there was delivered yeah. in this entire movie. And that that line was not there by mistake. Danny was on to shut up and enjoy the diehard years well, before. Long before. Else. Exactly. Exactly. You can't go through life nitpicking every little thing. That's like the close of uh, Tango and Cash, the newspaper, when it's like, <laughs> don't listen to the critics was one of the sidebar headlines. Oh, or, my God. Stallone nice. said, put that in there. Don't listen to the critics. Bigger. <laughs> Make it bigger. Okay. I will try to catch us up on what's happened in Act 1. What the of, hell? Uh, it was a doozy. We got Danny Madigan, uh, poor kid growing up on the in the seedy city of New York. Um you know, his family's struggling to get by. Dad's passed away. Mom yeah. seems to be working one, if not more jobs. Uh, kid loves movies. He loves sneaking off to the theater in Times Square to watch movies where he's friends with the the friendly theater owner, Nick. Uh, he loves Jack Slater movies. 
these like sort of cheese ball action films starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. So Nick invites him to come and watch the midnight. Like he's doing what a sort of a quality control, like to yeah. make sure that the projection looks good on the new Jack Slater movie before it opens up. So uh, Danny goes there. He receives a magical ticket from Nick that whisks him into the movie with Jack Slater. And that's where we get caught up. That's it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like we sort of Danny's like looking up from the backseat of the car, seeing the world whiz by and realizes that he's in Jack Slater's convertible as the chase from uh, the end of act one, where his favorite second cousin, Frank got blown up. Well, I know he died already. And then his (laughs) house got blown up. And, um, and so then these bad guys whipped around in a, truck and now they're like there's a chase they're throwing dynamite at him so jack is startled by the sudden appearance of a child in his car who the hell are you um danny says you know don't shoot me i'm danny madigan i'm a kid i'm a kid yeah <laughs> i'm a kid. <laughs> a weird line yeah, okay uh, I, I don't know what is the presumption that he snuck into the car like while while uh, Jack was inside the house or Maybe. something? Where did he come from? Yeah. It's weird. I feel like that's always a risk if you have a convertible and you just leave the top open wherever you are. You're going to have a homeless person sleeping exactly. in the back seat when you come back? <laughs> yeah. You know, if yeah. you're a policeman, yeah. a convertible seems like a bad idea. You're going to just get some hop-ons that are trying to like... <laughs> you're going to get a lot of hop-ons. Yeah, for, for all of Jack's uh, questioning Danny, like as the chase continues... To his credit, Danny, he's like, I'm not, I'm not really sure how I got here. Um, <laughs> Jack tells him to get low and don't move. Cars are just randomly exploding all over like the sides of the yeah. road. So I guess yeah. they're just throwing dynamite willy nilly yeah. wherever. Um, it's fucking at nuts. one point, Jack it's everything, tur- ab- everything about the world like feels cartoonish, which yes. I think is, is yeah. of course, that's the Real point, campy. right? Yeah. The colors, like the color palette, everything is just these primary like blues and reds and yellows and whatever. It's like the Jack Slater world is wild. There's a lot of random gold shit Uh everywhere. Anyway. Anyway, we get him. Jack turns fully around in the car. (laughs) Daddy, daddy comments on this is like, you're not, you're driving with no hands. And it's like shooting (laughs) at the bad guys. (laughs) Jack says it's easy if you practice. Um, Uh uh, A dynamite carrying bad guys flung out of the pickup truck like flies to the windshield of an ice cream truck and the truck then explodes. (laughs) Al Al Leong, God, God bless him is killed by projectile ice cream cone to the back of the head. (laughs) And then Jack says, ice that guy to code a phrase. Nice. (laughs) That's a bridge too far. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that I think the fact that it's borderline unwatchable though, like that's the point. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be so bad. It's, it's, it's terrible. Und- it's, it's it's Shane Black with all the shackles taken yeah. off. Like, <laughs> One of the things uh, that I love that happens in the midst of this car chase too is Jack cranks up his mini disc player. Did yes. you guys see that? <laughs> oh my god! I mean that yeah, would be that's... that would be perfect for a car in the early nineties. It won't skip. Yeah. It's got great yeah. quality sound. It's a good Sony movie placement. Like Sony, yeah. Sony wants to promote their new product. Yeah, mini, the mini disc didn't get enough play. It did not. It's a clunky, it's like a clunky piece of synergy product yeah. placement in there. <laughs> it should have been like built into the dash or something. It's yeah. weird that he had it just like rigged up the way that I had my disc man, like in my 89, yeah. uh, yeah. in my 89 Nissan, my first car. I don't know. Have you ever seen a car with a mini disc, like a built in mini disc? That would be amazing. No, but they could have made one for this film. Yeah, you, you know? would have thought. I feel like Adam or our uh, roommate in college, John, 
fucked around with mini disc a little bit. I knew uh, all the guys that were big audiophiles in the school of music at the time. This was right before um, uh, iPods came out. Okay. And the mini disc player was like the rage. Like some people, like I was still carrying a disc man to school. And then my buddy Dusty and some others had a little disc man and stuff. And so they were popping discs in and recording things. And the technology was just like, whoa, that's so cool. And then within a couple of years, it was completely, you know, obsolete. It was gone. Yeah. Well, then they built a hard drive into the thing and you're recording digitally, like on your little right. digital recorder or yeah. using your phone. <laughs> I didn't, I iPhone killed a lot of stuff. iPhone has killed a lot of stuff, unfortunately. Um, it's at this point that Danny's realizing that he's like, oh shit, I'm in the movie. This is really happening. And then no sooner <laughs> as he said this line, then a bundle of dynamite lands in the seat beside him. And he's like, this is not happening. This is not happening. And then a trick so nice. They did it in <laughs> twins that they decided to do, to do it again. <laughs> Jack, Jack whips the car up onto two wheels, grabs the dynamite, stops the, the fuse and they lose the guys in the truck. Yes. He went full Julius Benedict. Yes. Yep. It's like, that's as if that's a thing that a person can just do. Right. Without a ramp. Like there was nothing. He just jerked the wheel real hard and went up on two wheels. Uh, I love that's that. That's not how it happens. Um, <laughs> they're driving over a bridge towards downtown when, when all of a sudden this random minivan with a minigun opens fire. Um, <laughs> Jack drives the car off the bridge down into the LA River Reservoir. The minivan follows yeah. into the reservoir. This shit was amazing, dude. Yeah. All of this stuff is bonkers. Yeah, it was awesome. When the car is like floating yeah. down, you know, from the bridge or whatever, like slow motion, the kids like eyes are crossing or whatever. It's like Slater knows he can't die. Right. Yeah. That's like it, it was like Ma it was like Matrix. It was like John Matrix in Commando. where like, He knows he can't be killed. Right. So he can just do anything. I'm going to jump off this plane. And it's going to be OK. Right. When the minivan, though, what drove down that like drove down, that was a fucking rad stunt. Yeah, dude. it was. Someone actually did that and it looked awesome. Yeah. Um, Jack then drives up out of the reservoir, catching big air before landing on top of a Coca-Cola truck, tra <laughs> like tractor trailer. Um, Dude, again, it was like so dreamlike. Yeah. The way the cars like just in my dream, I have these dreams where like I'm floating and I can't come down mm -hmm. from the sky. Like I'm trying to get down and I can't. And that's what this felt like to me. I don't know if you guys have that. Dream. Oh yeah. I have that dream. So Coca-Cola Coke used to own Columbia Pictures, which is fucking weird. I didn't know I don't that. know why yeah. a soda company would own uh, a movie studio, but they sold, like, this was one of the first movies that Sony did when they took over, and I feel like all the Coke shit that's happening in this movie must be, like, a carryover. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'll sell it to you, but we want a lot of Coca-Cola in all the movies that you guys put out. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Danny, Danny, like, appears and says, I booted in the car, <laughs> I think it means I, I threw up in your he, car. He, he barfed. Yeah. yeah. Like boot and rally. Yeah. So then behind them, I love just, you see the minivan like flying through the air. <laughs> it's a funny sight. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it just crashes and explodes. It's amazing. Um, then the red truck appears again on the overpass. Jack loses them again down an alley. Jack gives him a weird pep talk. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah, like yeah. saying like, oh, don't worry. You got to like, I think what he said, he thought he was going to die. And he's yeah. like. Don't worry, you got a lot of joys to look forward to, like acne and premature ejaculation. <laughs> He's like, in your first divorce. Yeah, <laughs> not a kid movie. <laughs> John and I, we've been there. 
Not Andrew yet though. I have not had my first divorce yet. No, <laughs> uh, you got something to, you got something to look forward yeah. to. Uh, <laughs> there's a, no. This guy at work got engaged and like somebody was joking with him. He's like, that's good, man. Congratulations. You got to get that first marriage out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's rough. <laughs> so yeah. grim. Yeah. I think you're going to make it though. Cause there's like, what is, if it's two out of three marriages fail, then, then in this room it, where yeah, we're chatting right now, this FaceTime you're good call, to go. You're set. <laughs> this is getting dark. <laughs> I don't know what to say to any of this. Go back to the what movie. About, talk about vans about, flying through the air. Talk about Jack Slater saying, "Boy, does this suck, weenie, or what?" Was <laughs> when he, like, they're hiding in the car. alley. Yep. Yeah, so it's a weird um, dialogue. It's a, yeah, Danny correctly predicts as the truck reappears that Jack's. You're just like you're going to play chicken with him, aren't you? The bad guys blink first, of course, because that's exactly what happens. They mm-hmm. crash into a stack of boxes. They go airborne. The truck bursts into flames, crashes into a building, <laughs> and we see all these like half-dressed women at some kind of photo shoot. Dudes are like walking around, lit up on yes. fire, putting themselves out in fountains. It's like, what the hell is happening? This is the first of a couple of scenes in the movie that raises eyebrows like, We'll talk about it more maybe towards the end. Like, do you guys know about the scandal behind the movie with Heidi Fleiss and the producer, mm. like spending tons of money on prostitutes? And oh my god, no, whatever. Like writing movie, writing checks, Sony checks to pay for hookers and no, whatever. But apparently, like a lot of these hot babes that are just randomly walking around were like high end hookers. Oh my god, uh, I like from Heidi Fleiss's stable. That's rough. I did not know that. Yeah. Weird. We can talk about it more later. I have notes at the end, but yeah, there's a lot of random hot chicks wearing vinyl and stuff in the movie yeah, yeah, in yeah. general. And, and this I think is a lot those of bondage are, gear and shit like that. Like, I think a lot of those girls are like high end call girls from Los Angeles yeah. at the time. Okay. Free advertisement, I guess. That's a, um, yeah, exactly. Maybe it wasn't all that free. <laughs> that um, less expensive than like every other beautiful woman that goes to LA to be in uh, uh, in movies. I, I don't know, man. This dude was, there was a lot, let's just say there was a lot of money, like tens of thousands of dollars spent like on massage expenses, like mm. on the, in the film that the producer was like investigated by Sony and the IRS and all sorts of weird shit was happening. Gross. Yeah. That's terrible. Um, <laughs> so now it's at this point that Danny is now sure that the magical ticket has made all this possible, transported it into the movie. Um, Jack uses the fuse on one last lit bundle of dynamite to light a cigar and tosses it into a dumpster where one of the bad guys landed after the crash to add insult to injury. Um, then Jack and Danny roll up to the <laughs> just completely ridiculous LAPD headquarters where there's like a valet out front. <laughs> yes. And cameos galore. Yes, Sharon Absolutely. Stone, the T-1000, Hawk from American Gladiators. <laughs> A-listers, all of them. <laughs> um, the police station is, it looks like the halls of justice in Judge Dredd. It's like crazy in there. Did you recognize that building, the outside or the inside, either of you? Uh-huh. No. That that was, um. well, it was Sony Pictures headquarters. Okay. But it was the same, it was ICS television headquarters from Running Man. Okay, oh, yeah. Okay. Like when, uh, when whatever, when Jack Dawson or whoever the fuck it is, who is the uh, host? Uh, Richard Dawson. When he pulls up, when Richard Dawson pulls up, like in the Maserati uh, limousine yeah. or whatever, that was like the valet area, and then the inside. Okay, was basically the inside where he's like chewing out the janitor. Oh, that's badass. No, I didn't. I didn't recognize it as that. 
my my eye was always transfixed by the Maserati limousine. <laughs> um, so yeah, the police station is ridiculous. Danny's saying that I was just in a police station. This is much nicer. Um, this, the desk sergeant yells that Jack's ex-wife is on the phone. Um, at another desk, odd couple partners are being assigned, which is pretty humorous. <laughs> um, Jack begins uh, playing an audio tape of mindless chit chat to his ex-wife, where it's just like, "Uh huh, sure, yeah." Uh-huh. Um <laughs> did I It's a very much like a Simpsons level type joke. Yeah. Did I see guys, like the other tapes? Yeah, I wrote down <laughs> yeah. all the other tapes. Do you guys pause? Uh, well, what was in there? Um Blown Up House, Ex-Mother-in-Law. <laughs> I like Creditors, <laughs> Government Office, Twin Brother Did It, which makes sense. Is that a twins? Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it's just a, or a just action movie um, trope, period. I wish they named one Federal Building. Federal people. Federal people. Federal people. Yeah. Um, so the others were girlfriend, internal affairs, wrecked car, working late and out of town. He's got one for nice. every situation. I love the joke with the odd couple partners mm-hmm. being assigned. Yeah. It was a good one. Uh, that was, yeah, where we saw Hawk. It's fucking American guy. Getting hooked up with a rabbi. <laughs> was it weird that he answered the phone to the ex-wife for like calling her sweetheart? It's a little anyone, strange. Just, we get an okay. explanation later on yeah, for that. That's true. That's true. Accurate. Um, Jack is then surprised by John Practice, who's uh, a cop <laughs> buddy, a, a law enforcement buddy, uh, played by F. Murray Abraham. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice. It's practice, a, it's a, my old friend, practice. It's a pretty <laughs> decent joke. I kind of do like that joke in the context of this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, practice says he's here from D.C. working on the Vivaldi case. And then Danny says, watch out, Jack. He killed Mozart. Like the classical, <laughs> the classical composer jokes in the movie are great. That is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Jack says uh, that he saved practice's life in Vietnam. So, like, why, you know, why would he want to... You know, whatever. So Lieutenant Decker then screams for Slater for Jack so loudly that the glass in his uh, office window door situation uh, shatters. Um, Decker is chewing Jack out for his exploits. <laughs> it's Jack Migos. I was just doing my job. I, I got the I got the Chamber of Commerce doing cartwheels in my cocoa factory. <laughs> it's like what the hell? It's that so is, good. That is a vivid image. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Danny's examining the magic ticket sub in his wallet. Over at the assignment desk, an animated cat voiced by none other than Danny DeVito is being partnered with some like sexy female cop. Um, that's Whiskers the cat. Mm-hmm. Um, he like he dude man Arnold called in every favor yeah. like everybody he worked with will you come and do this movie yeah. apparently Sharon Stone really didn't want to do it and because I guess she didn't get along with Arnold yeah. which is the only story I've ever heard of anyone not hmm. getting along with Arnold I've heard but, she was um, a ter- we heard that she was like a terror or read somewhere that she was like a terror on set even at even on Total Recall that when she was like an yeah, unknown she, that she was like she was really really difficult to deal with Mm. on set for total recall apparently he just basically said like you know that movie really boosted your career like you should come and pay it forward or whatever but i'm wrong um i want to say i got a couple of notes here because a little bit about like the original script the the jack slater plot yeah was like not a mafia story at all there was no practice it was basically this dude decker had like partnered with this drug lord to try to bring down Slater. And the the premise was that Decker hated Slater because 
Slater makes Decker's life a living hell. Like that, you know, he's got saying that stuff about our department has the worst reputation <laughs> in the country. And he's like saying, you know, me and the rest of the precinct, we all fucking hate you. Like you're always, everyone who gets partnered with you gets killed. <laughs> you know, <And> Like <laughs> I'm always getting chewed out by the mayor because of the shit that you're pulling and stuff like that. That so, would have been um, funny. Yeah, that would have. It was more good. In, it in was the, one of the things they should have kept. He's like, we always have the fucking ACLU and like civilian <laughs> review boards are like up my ass because of all the shit that you're doing all the time. It's like a great premise. And the yeah. drug lord plot was like, the drug lord is only selling drugs to finance his war against Slater. That's awesome. He's like, I gotta, I gotta sell these drugs to buy guns and goons to keep fighting with you endlessly. And he's like wait a second, this doesn't make sense. And the drug Lord's like, I know <laughs> <laughs> they should have kept all that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's that's fucking great. brilliant. Um, the, yeah, the, the, the Jack Slater plot was much more meta in the original concept, but I, I don't know. I think they wanted to make it more cartoonish and goofy. And that's how we wound up with the whole Vivaldi shit. Right. Well, Danny points out that this has to be a movie. If there's a cartoon cat, Jack and Decker sort of like nonplussed by it. They're like, like that cat is one of the best men I got (laughs) is a great, that's a fucking great line. But This is like, this is one of the moments I think we talked about in the last episode. Like this is where it ceased being a Jack Slater world. And now it's sort of become like a who framed Roger rabbit world where it's like all these different movie and cartoon characters exist in the same sphere. And it's, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it does go like one step outside of the realm of like what we were just talking about, where if they just made it absurdist sort of naked gun style parody of cop movies, but done it for action movies. Yeah. I think that was, that was Shane Black's big complaint was like, you know, we handed it off as like a, a spoof of action movies. And then when it came back, it was like just a spoof of Hollywood. Right. Yeah. In general. Yeah. Um, Decker demands to know why Danny won't stop smiling. Danny says it's because he enjoys watching the two of them fight when they're really the the best of friends. Uh, Danny recalls their friendship by relaying information that he's learned from all the other Jack Slater movies, uh, (laughs) including an embarrassing story about Decker's wife leaving him for a circus midget. Um, (laughs) when, when Jack told everyone he drove her to the diphtheria clinic to, to help Decker save uh, save face. Decker, uh, Decker thinks it. that Jack told his secret. So he's hurt, but Jack insists that he didn't. And Danny says, um, that he only knows the information cause he saw it in Jack Slater one, which leads to another misunderstanding about Jack Slater senior. And it's like, Oh, for Christ's sake. Um, they're just <laughs> Who's on first shit. Yeah. I love that behind the chief too. There's just a random television that's just showing like disaster weathers like yeah what is he watching it's just like extreme weather there's like a hurricane it's just extreme weather events um just like (laughs) on a loop on a loop it's It's the same one over and over again it's like the shit they would play on tvs and best buy or whatever yeah look at this Uh, dynamic color range yeah so they're both freaked out that danny knows all this so they like switch to like a like classic cop movie interrogation mode where they got the bright light shining in his face and they're like the the angles are real close up in on them um they can't find a record of a danny madigan the truth isn't working so danny just says i fell into jack's car from an overpass jack's eager to get back to investigating frank's death but danny warns him that he shouldn't trust what frank told him about vivaldi's scheme which then jack wants to know how do you know about vivaldi danny says he knows a lot if they'll just listen to him and then and then it's at this point that decker says you know fine i'm gonna make him your partner (laughs) which what 
It's well, it's like the that's one of the things yeah. that you're like in Jack's later world. This yeah. is the only way it could be. Right. Um, Jack's not happy, but Danny's excited. He's like, we're perfect buddy movie material. I'll teach you to be vulnerable. You'll teach me to be brave, which that brings back what we were talking about in yeah. the first act where Danny was like, I'm a, you know, okay. I'm a coward. Um, he tells Jack that if this weren't a movie, Decker would have stuck him with a social worker for sure. Accurate. Um, yeah. In the police station, there was like all these gorgeous women we mentioned walking around in like the vinyl. Yeah. Like, are these all other cops from other film, like other weird movie worlds? I wondered yeah. the same thing. I've never seen a movie where anyone was dressed like any of a this, couple though. of them look like female versions of the guys from Daft Punk. Yes. Like they're That's wearing true. like their robot helmets. That's true. Absolutely. There was also there was all sorts of weird shit happening. Yeah. There was like sailors and fucking and drag queens and like all sorts of weird shit going on in the background. It kind of reminded me of like Pee-wee's Big Adventure when he's on the back lot and there's yeah. just yeah. every random weird shit you can imagine happening in the background. I really uh, feel for Danny here because like can you imagine how hard it would be to convince somebody that their reality is false and yours is like you know to convince somebody that they're living in the matrix or that this is a movie like well, with the uh that cat's the best one of my best men or whatever <laughs> like of course you're not on facebook so i'm not <laughs> so you know you don't know what that's like <laughs> i guess not i mean I've, yeah it happens to a lot of people every day <laughs> yeah um well anyway danny danny tells jack that he knows all this stuff because he saw it in the beginning of the movie yes and then Jack says, you've got 10 minutes to prove that we're living in a movie or I'm going to shoot you, which is, that's kind of funny. Um, then he takes Jack to Acme video. I love the, the reappearance of Acme over and over again throughout the yep. movie, which is, which is a blockbuster kitted out, um, filled with beautiful filled women. With beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Angie Everhart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so he's there to try to find some VHS of Schwarzenegger movies. There was also like a lot of just, clear blockbuster signage despite the uh-huh. fact that it's an acme video right. or whatever but you know <laughs> anyway um does that take you that takes you back though doesn't oh, it like i fucking dude the blockbuster like on a friday afternoon was like the place to be i saw some some tweet recently was it's like it's six thirty on a friday night your mom just ordered pizza your boys are over <laughs> you've got tech in queued up <laughs> it's like and I was like, yeah, oh, that's, yeah uh-huh. that, that's awesome. I miss those grayish melamine shelves. Yeah. <laughs> all their possibilities. If you didn't ever try to slip your number or get a number from a girl, like in a blockbuster uh-huh. on whatever, on a Friday afternoon, you weren't living right mm-hmm. in the, in the mid nineties. I never, mm-hmm. I never tried that. I was too lame to try that. <laughs> oh, Johnny. Uh, it's, <laughs> um, you come a long way, baby. I like that. Yeah. So he makes a beeline straight for the action movies and sees a nightmare. A- <laughs> <laughs> That's uh-huh. in my notes. Is like this has to be your biggest nightmare, John. A cut out a cut out for Terminator Two, starring Sylvester Stallone. Can you imagine a world in which Stallone played all of Schwarzenegger's best roles? No, he'd have to be on stilts. They would have had to hire somebody shorter than DeVito. In a lot of them. If there's a moment from this movie that's like a standout moment of just brilliance, this might be at the scene in the video store. I was I was uh, reading Roger Ebert's review of this movie, and he he highlighted this one moment as being one of the good moments in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> like it really yeah. is. But now this raises questions. We're in a, we we're in a world where Terminator Two exists as a film, right? And that's Stallone. So what? What about the T-1000 that we saw earlier? Like, was he supposed to be someone other than the T-1000? That's what I think. I think think maybe he was just supposed to be a cop that looked like the T-1000 from Terminator. Or this is that, like, don't nitpick the details. That's right. 
situation. Life's too short, baby. Uh, um, maybe, yeah, maybe he's a real guy in this also. He's an actual yeah. policeman versus a different actor portraying the T-1000. Maybe it's like Short Circuit that plays yeah. the T-1000 in the Stallone Terminator 2. Policeman <laughs> officer. Um, there was, um, dude, the Easter eggs galore, like on the shelves. Yeah. There was like all these, all the other John McTiernan movies were on the shelf. There was a whole shelf that was like all the cinematographer, Dean Semler's movies, like uh, Road Warrior and, and then they, Dead Call and was, stuff were all his movies. This was also the first of many times that we saw like plug for Bram Stoker's Dracula starring Gary Oldman. There's like a Bram Stoker's Dracula. That was another Sony movie been, it probably was i don't really know it must have been coming soon uh yeah jack says stallone was great in the movie but danny says that that should be him and then an attractive woman asks hey were you in a movie and jack says yeah it's called the girl of my dreams and you were in it or something like that right it's like i, I like slater's game was yeah. strong yeah. Like, he's a charming guy yeah danny points out that everyone's number like okay she's yeah they're like he's like all right i got another one. He's like what's your number and she's like five 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 blah yeah and he says, all right well, everyone's number can't start with 555 because they're, you know, 9,999, you know, phone yeah, numbers totally. in L.A. And that that's impossible. Jack shrugs that off because of area codes. OK. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Danny points out that. All right. Uh, next one. Every woman is beautiful and there are no ordinary people walk around, which Jack chalks up to this being California. He's like, see, it's a movie. And he's like, yeah. no, it's not. That's just California. Yeah. That's also fucking, fucking California. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, it is kind of like that. Like I, I've been to Los Angeles a couple of times and it's just like, wow, <laughs> it's another level. I can't, I can't imagine one day I'll go and just, just scope it out. You're going to need more than one day. Yeah. <laughs> Heidi, Heidi Fleiss's babes were crawling all over that parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Cause there's so many just, vinyl outfits in the parking lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, That's no, no one in any world in any time is ever dressed like that. Not that wasn't at like a fashion show or a or like a club True. or something like that for a very Seems specific pur purpose. Not to go get your not to go to Blockbuster. <laughs> um. So then Danny says, "All right, fine. I can take you to the house where Vivaldi tortured Frank." And then it's at that moment things turn kind of ominous as they're driving through Malibu. Um, Danny shows Jack the magic ticket stub and says that they're likely to pop into the real world at any moment. Um. And then as they're driving around like Danny just says, Oh yeah, that's the house. <laughs> There's no logic to the way the movie ticket works. Is that safe to say at this point? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like it works when it's convenient for the plot. Yes. Seemingly. Yeah. It, it opens the door. Okay. Especially later on, like once, once it's been used in other context, uh, that would be the part that would be worth explaining about the ticket. Yeah. Like, when don't does it work? You don't need to explain that the ticket's magic. That's fine. We'll just take that for granted. But like what causes it to work? That would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the, in the original, it was like the theater was the thing that was magic and there was a tear in the screen. And if you went through the tear, then you popped out and there was a corresponding like theater and in, mm. in, in Slater world. That would have been interesting that, you know, was the portal back. Like a Stargate. That makes more sense than however, like a Stargate. It would have been cool awesome. if something like about if like if if Houdini had been in the theater and like some trick and he'd gone like he triggered yeah. something that caused a portal he to open. He could have put a spell on the on the theater or yeah, some shit. Right. Something like There's that. There's a million things other than a movie ticket, a magic mm -hmm. ticket, but you know. But you know what? They're probably like, what? we need to sell tickets. The tickets need to go in some Burger King kids meals. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah! The other thing that we don't explain is how. This kid from New York 
uh, has a preternatural understanding of LA geography and it's just like, <laughs> I know exactly where we're going. It's got to be on the, the ocean side. And oh, there it is. That's the house. I got you to the street. They found it quick. Yeah. I love that. Uh, <laughs> Jack's like, yeah, he's making fun of Danny's policing techniques of like just knowing where the house is. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go up to the front <laughs> door and Toru Tanaka, thank you very much, opens the door. <laughs> Odd job. Sub Zero yeah, himself. Baby. Um, Jack asks to speak to the drug dealer of the house. He <laughs> said, it's a beautiful day to be outside killing drug dealers. And so <laughs> he, odd job walks away, like chuckling. And, um, uh-huh. and then Jack like turns around to make like he's leaving, but then whips around and says, I'll be back. And he said, did you know, but you didn't know I was going to say that. And he's like, that's what you, that's kind of what you do. That's your thing. <laughs> that's what you always say. And he's like, I do. Everyone keeps waiting for you to say it in every movie. It's your yeah. calling card. Like. My only question is, where was Jack going, though? I think he was just trying to prove a point. Like, you didn't know that I was not really leaving. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, it, it's, it's weak. Yeah it, was, yeah, it was pretty forced. So then the door opens, and it's Benedict wearing sunglasses. Benedict played uh-huh. by uh, Tywin Lannister. Danny says that <laughs> that's the main henchman, and he's got a glass eye. Um, Jack asks him, are you the henchman? Benedict says, he's, uh, I, would only, I would only go as far as lackey. Um, Jack then tells him to take off his sunglasses. Benedict's like, why should I? And then threatens to stick like a pack of Rottweilers on him. Um, they just materialized yeah. from nowhere, the Rottweilers. Um, Benedict says, with, that's an interesting thing too, because I think that it was in um, in Golden Child with Eddie Murphy that he was involved. In, I don't think it was Rottweilers. It may have been Dobermans or something like that, but Charles Dance was responsible for some dogs like materializing. Mm. <laughs> um, Benedict says that the dogs are very well trained, makes them stand in a pyramid, and then threat- that that might be the corniest thing in the whole movie is the dog pyramid. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even for it's not even in, it's not even endearingly like stupid. It's just dumb. Yeah, even more so than a cartoon cat existing in this reality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then he threatens to have them attack <laughs> and cover. Like, I, like, you'll emerge from several canine recta. Recta. That's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> that's a that's good yeah. stuff. He's, he speaks the Queen's English. Yeah. Um, Benedict says, "Are there any more questions?" And Jack says, "Yeah, I got a couple. Why am I wasting my time talking to a putz like you? And, <laughs> and how are you going to snap your fingers when I rip your thumbs off?" Slater is a cool customer, yeah, man. Yeah. And then uh, he like Benedict lowers his shades to reveal that he's got a smiley face glass eye. <laughs> the and, sound, the the foley sound here when he blinks. Is yeah. just gross. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Wait, what is it's it like, like? You know how like some people get like real uncomfortable when they like touch wet glass and like um, it like uh-huh. resonates a little Ugh. bit. It's almost like that sort of like, you know, the squeak, right? The squeak or like the sound that you get right before you get the wine glass to kind of make the ringing noise that makes the sound. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a wet, wet glass noise. Like somebody put like dipped their finger in water and just like ran it down a it window. Is, it's very reptilian. It to made me. me real uncomfortable and like. Got all would my you, hackles up. Would you rock a glass eye or an eye patch? If I was running for Congress in Texas, an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd do an eye patch. A glass eye sounds seems like a lot of work. Yeah, it's it does to me as well. Like you said, like the the feeling of your eyelid opening and closing over a piece of glass might be weird. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It just I. I can't say without having lost and <laughs> lost an eye what option I would I would prefer. 
It's hard. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, like plenty of people have glass eyes and like get through life just like, yeah, totally just fine. Yeah, I feel like it makes you look a little, do you think there's people out there that we just never even know they're rocking glass eyes? Sure. Yeah. Like a girl that they're, I, they're lifelike as hell. Yeah. A girl that I went to uh, elementary school with that was my brother's age. She had a glass eye and it just looked like a lazy eye cause it didn't mm-hmm. like move, but it looked as natural or uh, like as a real mm-hmm. eye. Like it was just, right. a, and like, I think she was just born, born without an eye and she didn't yeah. know any difference. So like it didn't bother her. I can't imagine it would be any worse than like me wearing my contacts. Like you've yeah. got, you got to yeah. blink on top of something and you just don't notice that it's there. I think I'd Popping go glass in eye. And out would be like nutty. Yeah. I, I just can't even imagine that. Yeah. I don't know how you'd get it out. You have a little suction cup. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that, se- that seems pretty reasonable. Sure. I'm going to go down a, I'm going to go down a glass eye wormhole on YouTube. I feel, like, done here. I feel like a better question is if you had a glass eye, would you want it to look like a little happy face or a bullseye or something? A awesome. Reptilian? Or like a normal eye, like, would you take full advantage of it? Like, what would you, real what would you want on your glass eye? The real question is, is there glass eye, like fetish porn? Definitely. Whoa. There has okay. to be. I'm, I'm gonna, I guarantee I'm you that, some is, I was about to say, is that your, is that the <laughs> rabbit hole you're going to really chase after this? <laughs> I, think that, I think that that's what screaming Mimi is about. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think she got her glass eye? Exactly. <laughs> so it's at this point, Aww. Benedict wishes the guys well. He says, have a nice day. He closes the door, but he overhears Danny telling Jack details from act one of the movie that he couldn't possibly know. And he's very, he's interested in this. Um, Jack crashes into a statue, causes a little property damage on the way out. Yeah. The fucking Lincoln Hawk special. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. He hates this statue. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the house, Vivaldi, uh, played by Anthony Quinn's in a panic. He says he wants uh, Jack. To, he wanted, I wanted Jack to join us, but, um, but he's only into catching bad guys. Um, and then Vivaldi orders Benedict to find out who's leaking info to Jack, then kill that person and kill Jack. Um, then Benedict, Benedict, then says, you know, I think you should change your funeral plans. But he's like, nah. And then Benedict says, I'm going to go find out more about uh, Jack Slater's little sidekick. And that, I feel like Benedict is the only person in like in Jack Slater world with a functioning brain. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He, like everyone, including Slater and every other cop and every other bad guy are kind of dunces. But uh Benedict is like a step ahead of the game. Well, he's also English, so he's a villain, so he's educated. <laughs> <laughs> he went to the finest schools. That's right. He's, he reads probably he reads Hans Gruber's that like what terrorist quarterly exactly uh, magazine. Yeah. T- what's up in terrorist fashion? <laughs> um, I feel like that's why the dog gag doesn't work. Like yeah. he's not campy like the other characters. He's smart. He has he's an, he's a great villain. Like yeah. he's, he's essentially, I mean, he is Hans Gruber to a certain Hans yeah. Gruber, degree. Like I, Hans Gruber with weird tribal tattoos. Like what do we make yes. of the tattoos? I dig it. You I dig it? That, it's just something interesting. I, I don't I would love to know the backstory. I want to imagine them. that they're just Charles dances tattoos. Like, <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. That would be amazing. In yeah. every other role they got, they're covering them up. But on this one, he let them fly. He um, got real into the, like, like. Um, method acting for Alien Three and got the ink yeah, actually like done. His his <laughs> tattoos made me wish that he was like that he was this age now, and that they would go ahead and try to do like a remake of uh, something Wicked This Way Comes, where he played Mister Dark. That would be cool. 
but that's that's another podcast. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> this podcast episode has come to a screeching halt. I don't know what's going to happen to the boys, but um, we're not talking Dude, about I'm it right now. To find out, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll be back. Yeah.